welcome to episode nine of Super States Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. If you, like me, find yourself fascinated by the idea of using trance states for personal or professional growth, and that could be hypnotic trance, psychedelics, breathwork, sexuality, even more, you're listening to the right podcast. This week, I talk with Jonathan Carroll. Jonathan is a transformation coach who encourages his clients to share their unique light with others. He hosts a mastermind program called the Dragonfly Club, which is a group experience for coaches or leaders or healers, all about witnessing each other and moving beyond your comfort zone. Get ready, friends, for The Power of Witnessing and Safe Containers with Jonathan Carroll. Welcome to Super States, Jonathan. I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks, Joshua. I am super stoked to be here. I know there's probably a ton of great stuff that we'll we'll get into. So, just to get started, uh, Jonathan, if you would describe to to the audience what it is that you do and how that can transform lives, and that's either your own life or other people's lives. All right, my friend. Uh, I've been a coach now for just going over five years, and the evolution of how I coach and who I coach has changed quite dramatically in that time. Um, but the the simple answer for how I apply what I do to transformation is in the process of witnessing, and I think that. A lot of people um, grow up in this world and aren't really recognized for the multitude of amazing gifts that they have. And that could be from our, our parents, our teachers at school, et cetera. There's kind of this sort of fit in um, approach to life. And if you stand out, there's times when you're celebrated for that. And there's other times when you're really not celebrated for standing out. And so my belief is that we're all here to be something very different than the other. And so witnessing people in their greatness is something I really love to do, but the results speak for themselves. People feel as though they're able to stretch beyond the limits of what they've known before. Yeah. That, that being witnessed and being in a space where you can be witnessed and yeah. feel, feel safe to be seen right? Can be really, yeah. really powerful. The one-on-one uh, coaching is, is that's relatively easy to do because that's a one-on-one relationship with a coaching client. Um, but as you've experienced inside of a, a group container, um, that, that takes some engineering and it takes some, some intention behind it. And uh, my, my experience has been that in, inside of a container where those conditions are present where people feel deeply loved and appreciated and safe to be whatever version of them they are. Um, they really get to spill out of the container that they've been in and explore all of the new and different things that have maybe been curiosities or interests of theirs in the past. Um, but they've not felt safe to push it any further than that. And when, when we push ourselves, we expand 
And that's really where the fruit of life, I think, really begins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you say you've been coaching for about five years. And uh, so that implies that there might have been something else that was going on for, with you uh, before that. Uh, why don't you tell us your your journey, how you got to this point? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, to make a, a long story a little shorter, um, I spent a lot of time in my, in my youth, my 20s, and right up through to my early 30s working in leadership development programs, guiding and taking people on expeditions in the wilderness, canoe trips and backpacking expeditions, hiking, rock climbing, uh, whitewater canoeing, uh, kayaking as well. And the, those programs really um, didn't only shape the people that were coming to take them and, and be on those programs, but they really uh, shaped me. And I developed quite a fond uh, relationship with being in the wilderness in nature. And, um, and then I found myself later, you know, into my thirties feeling as though that might be, uh, a career that would be limited over time as my body started to have more and more trouble just, you know, being out on canoe trips all year round. And it wasn't great on the pocketbook either. So found myself working, um, in a variety of not-for-profit organizations and, um, running programs for, for some of those not-for-profits often connected to youth. And then um, at some point I made a transition into corporate and started working for a company where I was doing sales uh, and group sales for uh, small ship expedition cruises to the Arctic and Antarctica, which was met my desire for cool outdoor adventures and also was um, a lot better on the pocketbook. And then um, probably about five or six years into that corporate job is when um, my life really took a, a turn. I want to say for the worse. It was it was um, it was a real dark night of the soul moment. You know, I'd gone through a really um, bad breakup, and I was finding that I was really um, uncomfortable with who I was in the world and noticing patterns that were showing up regularly. I was drinking a lot and numbing myself, and and finding ways to just um, cope with myself and with low confidence and a low self-worth. And, um, and that was when I, I started doing things a lot differently. I took my, my physical health into consideration and wanted to do a massive transformation there. And I knew that if I had some, uh, I knew that if I had some rigor when it came to my health, a lot of other things would have to fall in place too. And alongside that, um, physical transformation, I started looking at other modalities uh, for how I learn about myself. So I hired a life coach. Um, I started working with energy healers like Reiki master. I was doing mindfulness meditations. I met with a psychic, I uh, did some hypnosis. Um, and I, I really did try just about everything I could get my hands on to see what if. And mm my belief at the time was that there would be a magic silver bullet that would, I would discover the aha moment of, Oh, this is what's been troubling you, Jonathan. And really what I discovered was that everything is connected and all of those modalities were actually complementary 
um, mm. rather than being, you know, hunting for the one, they all were beneficial. And, um, and somewhere near the end of my relationship with that first coach who was fantastic and led me on this really amazing spiritual self-discovery journey, um, I said to him, I think I want to do what you do. And without batting an eyelid, he went, Jonathan, you would be a great coach. And, mm. you know, went on to, you know, pamper me with compliments and so on. And that was the beginning of it. You know, I started coaching shortly after that to see, you know, did I like it? Was it something I wanted to continue doing? And that just snowballed into getting certified as a coach and continuing that journey on and on and on. And here we are today. Here we are today. And so over the five years that you've been coaching, what what's changed about how you work with people uh, from where you started until where you are now? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started, there was a lot of, um, I, I was really borrowing a lot of like textbooky style um, things from other coaches and and things I'd read and, and it was a lot about motivation and mindset and, and force and, you know, um, helping people to kind of move against resistance with resistance. And, um, and what I discovered over time, as I learned for myself that so much of the process of discovery is about surrender and letting go and releasing uh, programs and thoughts and ideas and beliefs that are no longer ours or never were. And, um, so now I listen deeply to my clients, uh, desires, the clues, the things they're not saying. And those are often almost like <laughs> subtle screams for please recognize that I'm trying to say something here. Mm. And, those are those nudges from inside have been drowned out. We've, we've learned to drown them out so well that when we finally do listen to them, things really start to go in some incredible new directions and people feel more like themselves than they ever have. And they start to notice that they're, they're being opened up to a variety of new options for them because they're not holding themselves to some label or description or version of being that they were in before. And so I guess what changed is I really let go of the idea that I have the answers for them, even though I know all along as a coach that it's not about what I think it's about the, right. the client, but I really subscribe to that now that the information was, is really inside of that person. And it's my job to witness them speaking and sharing their truth and reflect that back to them. And then we can take that information and turn it into action steps that have them moving closer and closer to the version of self that feels good to wear outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who uh, has intimately experienced some of that with you in your group program, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that way of being seen, but not just by you, but by other people in the group can, can really be transformative. Massively. And, and, um, there's, I think there's something to be said there about the group format as well, where, um, we often like the, the evidence 
of statistics, you know, if one person sees in me, okay, great. But if a group of six or eight or 10 other individuals are all echoing something very similar about what I cannot see or what I think I see, but I'm not sure Mm -hmm. that becomes really uh, strong evidence suggesting that this is something that you can choose to look at and, and do something about. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a real power there in, in, uh, in the act of witnessing another and speaking that authentic truth for yourself and for others so that they can really feel as though someone sees them. And that, that has a a really profound transformative effect on people when they feel seen for a version of themselves they maybe haven't even let out publicly. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know that I know that part of your process has been uh, around using sacred medicines to access some of this inner wisdom, you could say, I'll put it that way. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's kind of the way I see it. Um, can you give us a, a something, uh, give us an example of how you've done that, how you've used these types of uh, medicines to facilitate your own transformation? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that inner wisdom piece. And I also think it's a collective wisdom, you know, we're tapping into a collective consciousness that exists around the globe and beyond. And when we're tapped into that, all things become possible. Some people might call it the quantum field. Others might call it a deep spiritual connection. There's, there's many ways to look at that. Um, and it's also the inward journey of self. Um, so we sometimes mm-hmm. think we're going out there when really we could be going just as far in there. So for me, uh, a few years ago, I found myself on, on my first uh, trip to Ecuador and I wasn't going seeking anything in the way of medicines. Um, I was really just there at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, and at that time, a friend of mine said, well, if you're, if you're interested in exploring, you know, medicines like ayahuasca or San Pedro, I know some, some, a shaman and his wife that, that facilitate this. And I had known about these medicines for some time. I had been following the Aubrey Marcus podcast and, and others and listening, you know, about what the power of ayahuasca and these medicines can provide in the way of healing and inspiration and discovery of self and connectedness to all. And I was deeply curious and fascinated by these medicines. And I really thought it was an opportune time to take advantage of that. So I went to my first ever ayahuasca retreat in the, uh, in January of 2021. So only, only a few years ago now. And with really little to no expectation, but you know, on that first experience with the, the ayahuasca, it was, it was overwhelmingly incredible. Just the, the visuals and the feeling of love and connectedness to all beings, um, a sense that, there's something greater in the beyond Mm -hmm. um, and that everyone and everything, um, whether it had uh, a heartbeat or didn't, 
was was connected to us in in some way and that that really left me um in this place of deep reverence for my life for my family for everyone and everything and um and i and i remember on that first visit with with grandma with abuela the medicine as we affectionately call her in in spanish um I came to this realization that we're all playing a game and we're all winning the game if we can see it through that lens, the game of life. And so we had a day in between that ceremony and the next one to do some integration work and some journaling and so on. And so when I went back to the next sit with the medicine, you know, we, we set an intention for that evening's work because it is work. It takes you on a, on a difficult but profound journey and it's not all easy. Uh, it's very physical and it requires uh, your body goes through a purge and there's a lot of physical release in addition to the stuff that's going on inside of your brain and your heart. So I thought, well, if, if life is the greatest game of all and we're all winning, let me take the biggest problem in my life. And instead of trying to just fix a problem, why don't I solve a puzzle? You know, mm. and that felt very game-like to me. Yeah. So I was taking advantage of the semantics and the, the inspiration from night one and, and applying it to something real in my life. And that, that time it was the, the relationship I have with my dad, which had been strained over the years and, and a difficult one. And so I went in there, um, and I, when the, when the medicine kind of came on, so to speak, and I could feel grandma was present, I imagined this vine sort of appeared in front of my face and it was, um, like a Rubik's cube from the Amazon, we'll say kind of like just these intertwining vines. And, and I it was apparent that I needed to solve that puzzle. And so I thought I'll ask a question and then the answer should free up the pieces, right? So this is the, the, the direction it took me anyways. Mm -hmm. And so I asked the first question, which was, why am I so angry? And the, the answer that I came up with, my own answer was that I had not felt seen, felt or heard for the special little boy that I was growing up. And so, um, and that witnessing piece, right? Being witnessed yeah. for who I was. And phew, this little piece just floated off and was floating on its own next to the larger one. I thought, okay, this is, this is working. So then I, the next question that I asked was, what was he working with? My dad, Yeah, you know, and I surmised that if every generation is a little bit better than the last in terms of opportunity and, um, school and, and, you know, all of the, all of the things that we have to our advantage. Then he grew up in, in the fifties in Scotland and things were probably tough and grew up in a hardened neighborhood and didn't have much money and who knows what family like life was like back then. And so mm. I thought, boy, I saw, really saw his inner child. Uh, and that, that softened me as well. And I thought, well, he, he didn't have all the same opportunities I had. And so another piece just 
fell off this this puzzle and it was kind of like one here one here and now this last little piece and i thought i think i'm getting really close here and if i really think for a second i could be at checkmate and so the next question that that came to me and this is the this is really the the power of this medicine that in in three questions three answers i had all but solved this puzzle Hmm. then i had to go and integrate what i had solved but um, the next thing I asked, well, was what, what if I was to give my father what I never received and what maybe he never received? And it, the whole thing disintegrated in front of my face, all the pieces mm-hmm. disappeared. And so my, my work, and that's, you know, when you're, when you're experiencing this medicine, you're really in your, we call it your higher self, you know, all things are possible. You see all you can be all. Um, and everything is possible. So now my, my work became that I needed to integrate that in a way that was seeing my father witnessing him. And, um, I won't go into all the details, but really the next opportunity I had back in Canada at Thanksgiving, I had gathered all the family around to do a witnessing exercise of everybody in the family, but that included me witnessing my father in, in front of my family and telling each person how special they were and that I loved them. And that, that was almost like a, a domino effect of family and generational trauma that got, you know, eliminated in that very moment because I was integrating the messaging that I received from that medicine and a pretty powerful one at that. And, and I'm happy to report that he and I are, are better than we've ever been and, and continue to get better all the time. And so that's just one story of, of many and one medicine of yeah. several that I've experienced. Um, but the, the way in which the brain goes to work on solving these problems with the use of these medicines and the neuroplasticity and all parts of your brain working together at one time really takes you into some new and different ways of thinking and different directions than you've maybe been before with the same thing. Mm. Uh, and I really experienced that it was, it was like taking if without the medicines always like we pull out the same tool and we just bang that nail harder, you know, thinking it's going to get us somewhere different. And in this case, it was what, what's the point in using a hammer? This may require something entirely different. And, yeah. and that's what really ended up being the magic. And so now when I apply that knowledge to the way in which I coach, I really give myself a lot of latitude to go in very new and unique directions with my clients and ask them really sort of obtuse and out, out there questions to help them come at the same problems from a different angle altogether. Almost like you're, I'm, I'm almost taking them so far from the reference point that when they narrow back in or they zero back in with their focus, they realize it, the problem no longer looks the same because mm. we came at it from somewhere entirely different that they'd never been to before. So that's how I'm using my experiences with the medicine to interject into how I coach. It's, that's really, it's really powerful how you described that 
especially in the way that you integrated the learnings, right? I, I think a lot of times we have an experience and it just, it's this, it's just this experience that happens and then life is still over here and then life just continues on. So the ability to bring this together, uh, it, this is a, this is a learning for me on how to bring all this stuff together, how to, how to bring your life into, into in, integrated, your, how to integrate your yeah. life, but it's also See, relevant. I think the misnomer for many, many people is that the medicine, the experience and the ceremony is, is the part that matters most. Hmm. And it's only one half of the equation. And so, and I'm a strong believer that we shouldn't be receiving or asking for more medicine or taking another, having, going to another ceremony until we've integrated the last one. Otherwise we're, we're no different than, um, accumulating experience on top of experience without learning from the lessons of those or reading a book after another book, after another book, and never really applying the knowledge that's in the book. Um, mm. to me, integration is as important, if not more important than the ceremony itself. If we're going to really derive the benefits of these experiences. And so I spend considerable amount of time between my ceremonies with these sacred medicines, applying what I've learned and integrating it into my real life, whatever that looks like, depending on where the medicine took me in that last moment. Um, and sometimes that's easier to do and doesn't take as much time. And other times, like in this particular instance, I had to wait until I got back to Canada and then I had to wait until the right moment where I could bring the family together to, mm -hmm. you know, do something that had really scared the shit out of me. Like, but I had to, I had to get into my higher self energy of how I felt when I was on the medicine in order to carry out that, that mission. Um, if I had not done that, I would have been too scared to execute. And so that's also a testament to all the other work that goes alongside of, with doing these medicine, like your self work and your inner work and, and working with coaches and other healers and so on to bring yourself to a level where you can integrate and you can rise to doing hard things um, and not shy away from them because the medicine may show you something very profound and something that even in that moment you think, wow, that's going to be hard, but I can do this. And then when mm -hmm. the medicine comes down and you're back in your less than higher self energy, you, you're thinking about that. Like, I don't know if I can really do that, <laughs> you know, but we can do anything like that's, that's part of the coaching relationship too, is reminding people that you can be, do have, create anything if you decide you want to, you know, yeah. if that's what you desire, most people are, are stopped in their tracks from some kind of fear. And these medicines, I think, help us to face fears. The medicine itself is something a lot of people are fearful of. And so that alone is showing you what you're capable of. And then when you go and you tackle something like a, a relationship conversation with your father, mm 
you have a little bit of evidence to say, I can do hard things. And I think one of my favorite things of what you just said is how you can, when you're in that state, when you're in that uh, sacred state, that feeling still exists outside of the state. So it becomes now a resource for you while you're like, you know, like while you're doing the hard things, those, those fearful moments, you can, you can, you can call on that. It may, it might not be easy, but you can still call on that when you're in those situations where in the past you might not have been able to deal with it. Yeah. You, you have a direct frame of reference and a picture you know, a video in your mind of you doing it. Yeah. You know, in some cases, many cases, you're, you are shown the way. And when you're shown the way and, you know, the beautiful medicine says, this is the direction forward. And you think to yourself, I've been up and down this laneway a thousand times in my life. And I never saw that little opening. And now I see the opening. So yeah, might be scary to go down into that opening where you've never been before, but at least you know it exists and that something as sacred as that moment told you, showed you, allowed you to see that you don't have to go up and down this pathway anymore. You can continue in that direction and it looks like there's more to be found. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was talking with a, a couple of friends the other day and someone brought up the word coach and one of my friends had this immediate trigger response to the idea of coaching. So what would you say is the most misunderstood aspect around uh, coaching or transformational coaching and, and how can we help people get a better understanding of what it actually truly is. That might be my favorite question of all time, Joshua. (laughs) Uh, I, so first of all, what, what is it that people are reacting to? I'm going to surmise that there's, there's a variety of things there, but one is that people think that by hiring a coach or suggesting that you could or should hire a coach, that you need help. Hmm. And so there's a bit of a, whoa, like, yeah, I'm okay. What the hell, what, what are you seeing that I don't? So that's, that's triggering to some people. Like they can't face the fact that they could even use help. Now, PS, we all need help, right? Like with a lot of things. And, and we also have a body of evidence or, or, a uh, a, tendency oftentimes to just go it on our, on our own because Mm -hmm. asking for help looks like, or feels like, or someone told you one time that that's weakness. Yeah. And we all know if we look back over the history of time that communities have thrived in community with help, right? That the lone wolf has a lot harder time than operating with a pack. So the coach to me becomes an ally. And, um, another thing that I'd love to break down is that the coach isn't necessarily smarter than wiser than more experienced than the client. Some, in some cases, the client has more smarts, 
more intelligence, more experience, more all of those things. What the coach has is a skill set that allows you to break things down and hear yourself speak, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a live journaling session that goes exactly in the direction it probably could or should based on the listening skills of that coach and their desire to ask you questions based on their own curiosity about mm -hmm. what that means for you. So it becomes when it, when coaching is working really well, it should be a big, fat, juicy conversation all about you that you're learning more about yourself, not to mention being witnessed and championed by someone who only wants to see you succeed. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't get another referral or a testimonial unless you are thriving. And PS, I didn't get into this work just to hear myself speak. I got into it to help people see the incredible brilliance that's inside of them and then bring that to the collective. So we all rise together. Mm -hmm. So I think the coach is, is your ally. The coach is not someone who's going to tell you what to do, right? That's a consultant. You can hire a consultant. They're also not a therapist. They're not there to sort out your feelings necessarily, even though there can be therapeutic parts of coaching because you're getting to air things. Um, but they really are there to ask you powerful questions. And we all know that powerful questions give you better answers and better answers allow you to guide your life in a new direction with more clarity, yeah. more vision, more resonance. Uh, and so I think if people are fearful of what it means to have a coach or hire a coach, uh, they're, they're seeing they're nearsighted and they're, they're not seeing all of the potential, you know, in the same way that you would hire a physical, you know, a fitness trainer to help your body, you know, you can hire a coach to help you with your direction and choices. Uh, that's a simple example, but we, we go for help all the time. And coaches just happens to be one of those multi-tools, I think, that provide you with so much in the way of new insights into yourself, which is always helpful. Yeah. You, you never, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And a coach is, a coach also doesn't know. So they're going to ask you, but when I always like to think of it as when it, when a coach asks me a powerful question, or when I ask a powerful question to one of my clients, they have to go deep into the library of their soul to find yeah. the, the answer to that. It's not a, how's the weather? Oh, it's, it's fine. You know, how are you doing today? What are you working on? Oh, you got your little to-do list. Great. Cool. Check, check, check the box, check the box. See you next week. No, we're having deeply profound, powerful questions about who you be in this world and what you want to accomplish before you die. Like yeah. it, the gravity of that is, is massive. And I think people probably don't have too many friends that even ask them those types of questions. Right. And so a coach really becomes someone that can take you in brand new directions based on who you're born to be, which is pretty badass. Yeah. Love that. Who, uh, who do you look up to? Like what kind of, um, do you have a mentor or a role model that, uh, that inspires you? 
I've worked with several coaches uh, in my in my career as a coach and before I started coaching, and I've mixed it up. I've done everything from working with uh, one-on-one coaches to group coaches, spiritually focused, productivity focused, business focused, um, focused on the skill set of coaching. There's been a, a variety that I've I've uh, worked with. And each one has has added something new and different to to my life and my my business. Um, then, if there's anyone I look up to, you know, I, I really enjoy listening to Alan Watts, uh, mm-hmm. one of the old old favorites. Yeah, um, professor at Stanford University back in the late '60s and '70s, and I just I just love his style. I love how. Uh, how well he articulates and makes sense of things, especially yeah. in the realm of, you know, spirituality and connectedness. Uh, there was a time there where I was going deep into the work of Neville Goddard as I was working on my money story and getting really good at understanding that uh, the manifestation game is something that we have control over. Not to mention uh, when we're not on our money game, it's because it's been programmed out of us, you know, and so we need some reprogramming in that regard. Um, some some other popular ones would be Abraham Hicks, Wayne Dyer, uh, even some Gabrielle Bernstein there when I first got into to my spiritual journey. Uh, but really, there's there are many wise sage elders that I enjoy listening to or reading their, their content. Um, and then when it comes time for me to choose a new coach, I really, I'm finding myself more, um, more purposeful than ever really tuning into what is it that I'm looking to accomplish in this next stretch mm-hmm. and what skills do I need that coach to have before I hire them? And is it something that I'm looking, uh, am I looking for one-on-one attention or am I looking to be in a container with other people where the energies of those other players rub off as well? And I get some insights from everybody, including the coach. So, and there's no right answer to that. There's, there's only what's right for you in the moment. I love that. And it's, it is really important as a human, in my opinion, to, to keep growing because uh, as a, a coach that I once had told me, you're, you're either growing or you're dying. So I prefer I 100% to grow. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Jonathan, based on, on your experiences, what's a practical way that someone could use, uh, you know, one of these super states, an altered state to improve their life? Well, there's there's not a human on the planet i think that doesn't have stuff and uh, i'll just put it that vaguely that broadly that we've all got stuff we're dealing with working on many of us have traumas from our past small big medium and these medicines and these ceremonies are really designed in such a way that they are helping to take you into you and if you show up with the intention that you are going to be present for yourself and you're going to do the work, 
that really tells yourself, medicine or otherwise, that you are capable of doing work on yourself, for yourself. And so then you combine that intention and that focus with the powers of these psychedelic medicines that, you know, really take our brains to new places. And so much healing and inspiration and uh, witnessing of ourself happens in those moments. Cause you can really have an out of body experience where you're looking back upon yourself and seeing, you know, this incredible soul who's animated inside of a meat puppet for this lifetime and is going to do some stuff before that meat puppet croaks and the little orb returns to where it came from, if you want to see it that way. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, it becomes almost imperative that we do something in this lifetime with our meat puppets. And uh, when I, when I think of it in that, that level of simplicity, it, it brings me back to the first ever experience I had, which is it's all a game. So we're here to level up, collect the chips, playful out, you know, have fun, you know, group some other people in with us, take them on the journey as well, create alliances, collaborate, you know, the whole game is, is rigged in our favor. And I think that, um, though, but those of us that have not yet gone inward or chosen to look at ourselves through that particular lens are still often stuck dealing with the traumas or the stories of their past, which can really hold us back. They can really keep you stuck in a loop of your pain body as Eckhart Tolle might call it, or mm -hmm. um, victimhood and having you feel as though you're not capable or not worthy of the next level. But when you dig in and you apply the work and you go to these places within yourself with the help sometimes of, of these medicines, you really get to see that, oh my gosh, there's so much more available to me. I was blinded by my stories, by fear, by hurt, or whatever happens to be your state before you open yourself to everything else that is. So... Yeah, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'll continue going. You know, there's 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 always more to learn, and I'm not I'm not somebody who's at every ceremony every weekend trying to get that next you know hit of medicine. I really am very intentional about how I use it and making sure that it's we respect it in the sense that it is medicine. Um, and so we take it when we feel as though we need some assistance with something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what occurs to me is how much we really love those stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the stories have become who we are yeah. and in order to, uh, release those stories, if that's the only story we've ever known, we, we need some ideas about a new story that could be written. Yeah. So we get to pick up the pen and start writing that next chapter through our own thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And if we don't pick up the pen, 
it's easier just to tell the old story, but really it's yeah. not that easy because those stories sometimes hurt. Absolutely. It seems to me like there is a, there is a, a, a renaissance of coaching right now, but also there's this renaissance in, uh, in altered states, super states in, in these non-ordinary states of consciousness that, that are happening in lots of ways, not just in psychedelics. Uh, what do you see as the, the future of using these, these altered states to, uh, for, for personal growth? Hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because there, there can be a tendency for some people to think that because someone has chosen to use psychedelics, that the only modality that will really do anything. And there are, there are many, right? So there's, uh, embodiment work and breath work, and then there's the medicines themselves. There's, um, yogic practices. There's, there's a lot of ways to access greater states of consciousness and altered states of, of being. Um, and I'm probably only touched cold water immersion. There's, there's lots of ways that we can go inward, uh, meditation, of course, you know, and, and the list goes on. So what I, I think it's a really important time in human history because we're in, in my belief, we're rediscovering a lot of these things on mass, uh, more and more all the time. And the internet and technology is making it more accessible for us to find out information about these things, to take a course online about breath work or, um, the way that in which we can learn about these things. And then the popularity of these altered states, cause people love to take the red pill and figure out what that's going to do for them. Uh, my belief is that I'd, I'd sooner see them do that because that's in our nature is to just go and find the drug that's going to fix it all and then come upon a medicine that is really there to work with you and you have to work with it. Hmm. But even just being introduced to that tradition, I think becomes far more powerful than us just going to a, um, a doctor to, to numb the pain or the symptoms. So we're getting to the root cause of these things. And I think in time, what's going to happen is more and more people are going to awaken. I think I like that word because a lot of us are, are in these deep sleep states that have been made to keep us checked out, you know, yeah. numbed, um, television, drugs and alcohol, porn, uh, shopping, there's, there's a million ways for us to stay distracted and to lose the importance of what it means to be connected to yourself on multiple levels. And so I think more and more people will find that connection and will start to heal and change their life as a result and making that available to other people that want to thrive as well. You know, when you see people that have, that have done this, have access to this for themselves, they look good, they feel good, they speak well, they're, they're positive, they see potential for their life. And that becomes truly inspiring to those onlookers that are wondering, 
I was told all my life drugs are bad, you know, and then they're realizing that, oh, like someone like myself will say it's not a drug. These are medicines. These are yeah. come from ancient traditions and they're natural and come from the land. They've been gifted to us for us to heal. And to me, that is one of the greatest benefits of being a human on this earth is that there's medicines hidden, you know, in plain sight that we can access that help us to heal as individuals and as a collective. And my hope is that we, we take advantage of these things. And, and, and in addition to the breath work and ice water immersion and all these different ways in which we can access versions of ourself that aren't a part of our everyday. And the more people are doing that, the more incredible life gets to be. These, these, these meat puppets are, are pretty special. You know, they get to experience yeah. the, the full range of, of life. If we get off the couch and stop watching TV and stop the, the process of being sleeping zombies. Yeah. Without, without sounding too judgmental, but that's how <laughs> open and incredible yeah. It can be when we decide we'd like to wake up or when something forces us to wake up like a traumatic experience. And uh, I mean, I'm, I know I've been a sleeping zombie before. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a you only can process, know that right? there's, yeah, you can only know there's such thing as the sleeping zombie if you've come from that place. Yeah. But then you can also only know how incredible it is to transform into that new state, if you will if you've gone through it and right. you probably then could also articulate that it's not easy. It's much <laughs> easier to stay sleeping. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's also much easier if you have a guide. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, over, over the millennia, even if you read the, some of the greatest stories of all time, you know, the, the hero's journey, there's an element of that, that must happen alone, but mm -hmm. there's typically a sage elder or someone who's been through that journey before that's helping guide you, direct you a little bit when they send you off. Yeah. And so, uh, you're going to have questions. You're going to have concerns. You're going to want to go back and having the guide there to say, it's okay. This part of the journey is normal is hugely yeah. advantageous. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, if people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm always, my channels are always open. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Jonathan Carroll, uh, or on Twitter, Johnny.Carroll, and uh, email Jonathan at Tidal, like Tidal Wave, transformation.com. I'll make sure to put... J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. I'll, I'll make sure to put them all in the show notes so that it's simple and super easy. Perfect. Uh, and, and Jonathan, one last question. What is the, if you had one piece of wisdom that you wanted the audience to leave with today, what would that be? Uh, I, I would really love for everybody to know how innately beautiful a being they are and that they matter and that we need you to wake up 
that the world is looking for more allies to join forces together and do incredible things in this lifetime. And that it is going to be a crying shame if you die with your song stuck inside of you and your only job in this lifetime is to reach your full potential. And that means digging in, engaging and learning more about who you are and then applying that version of you, that core light that's inside of you and letting it out for the world to experience. That's what I would really hope everybody takes as an invitation. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with me here today, Jonathan. Thank you, Joshua. It's been awesome. Can't wait to uh, see where we go next. Since you can hear my voice, that means you stuck around for the entire episode. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's really the best way to expand this message. It would mean a lot to me and to my guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite platform, or you can subscribe on YouTube where we have the podcast hosted in video format. And either way, you'll stay up to date with Superstates. Make sure to let me know what topics or guests you'd like me to cover in the future. You can just respond to me uh, through any social media at Joshua Ray Peters, R-E-Y. And don't be shy. I will answer your comments. I'll see you all next week. And remember, you carry the seeds of change. So stay flexible, keep growing, and embrace your transformation. Transformation.